Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast all about books. My name is Tracy Thomas, and I am your host here. This is another episode of our Stacks Book Club, and we are discussing James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room. I'm joined by my guest from last week, Chris Maddox, a television writer and actor, and we discuss this book that tells the story of a young man who moves to Paris and his romance. I don't want to give anything away. Um, If you haven't read the book yet, you should pause the episode, go ahead, read the book, and then come back and talk to us. Also, just so you know, everything we talk about this week will be in the show notes. So without further ado, let's talk Giovanni's Room. All right, you guys, we are back at the Stacks. I have uh, my guest, Chris Maddox, here. Uh, Today is our The Stacks Book Club episode. So we're having our little bookish conversation about an American classic set in Paris. Paris. An American in Paris, if you will. Um, It is called Giovanni's Room. It is by the great James Baldwin. Um, So we're going to talk about the book. Um, Oh, and of course, let me just say my two disclaimers loud and proud. Disclaimer one, there will be spoilers on this book. We will be talking about the book in detail. So if you haven't read the book yet, take a pause. We'll The episode will still be here. So just take a pause, read the book and come back. My second little piece of information for you is that um, any book we talk about, any article, anything we talk about on today's episode will be in the show notes. So you can have space to enjoy it that way and you don't have to worry about writing everything down. Okay, that's enough. Maddox, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. Okay, we're going to talk about Giovanni's Room. And I just want to really quickly explain to people how we picked this book. I reached out to Chris and I was like, I would love for you to come on the podcast. And he like responded like, mm, let's have coffee and talk about it. And I was like, that's not a good response. Should have been, yes, of course, I love you. I'd do anything you say. But so we get to coffee. And before we even order our coffee, I'm like, this is how the show's going to work. Blah, blah, blah. This is before the show would ever air. This is how the show's going to work. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is there a book that you would want to talk about? And he's like, Giovanni's Room. And I was like, oh my God, I was hoping you would say that. Because <laughs> I wanted to talk to him about Giovanni's Room, but I didn't want to force it on him. So I'm really excited to get to talk to this book, talk about this book with you. Me too. I'm excited to discuss it. I know. So Maddox has read this book how many times? I believe 
three or four times. Okay. And I read the book for the first time last week. So we're coming at it from very different places. This book has been with you for years and years. Years and years. And this book has been with me for days and day hours. <laughs> so it's a little, a little bit different. Um, so let's just start kind of, if you want to go back either to this most recent rereading or to any of the readings, like kind of what are your initial thoughts about the book? Well, let's see. Uh, my, my initial thoughts about Giovanni's Room is, and this is my personal feelings about it, so it, anyone can feel free to disagree. Um Agree oh, they to disagree. Will. They will. And if you disagree, <laughs> message me and tell me so I can tell him please. that you're wrong. <laughs> yes, please. Let's let's have a conversation about it yes. because I think that is the most interesting thing about reading, mm-hmm. having your own personal um, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. Your, your own you're way open in. Open to feedback and participation. So don't be shy, y'all. So for me, Giovanni's Room is is about a quest for self discovery, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you've read it or reading it or will read it, and hopefully, this will spur you for that. But so, just in general, like David, after he survives this near, near fatal car crash, he goes to Paris mm-hmm. to recoup afterwards. And he, he, he while his his future fiance is mm-hmm. in Spain on for vacation, he has this massive love affair with a man. Giovanni. Giovanni. Mm. Hence the title of the book. Yeah, which we will talk about. Yeah. Don't worry, y'all. Which makes him, I believe, you know, he has to choose between his sexual orientation and his expectations of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't really take this book away from the time period in which it was written, which mm-hmm. I believe was published in, what, 1956? Mm-hmm. Um so it was, you know, James Baldwin wrote it before gay liberation, before um, the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And so this David, the protagonist, is dealing with this sort of this internal crisis that is, I think, sort of externalized in this sort of way with, you know, meeting Giovanni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really excited to read this book because I'd heard so much like amazing stuff about it. And when I started it, I kind of was like, uh-oh. I don't like fiction. Like it's still fiction. Like I'm not that into it. And so for the first half of the book, I kind of was like, just read this book. Cause you have to talk about it. Like take your notes, pay attention. And then there's a scene maybe like halfway through the book. Um, after he finds out that his future fiance or girlfriend at the time, um, we're calling her Hella. We don't know. And we might call her Hela too. So her name, we don't know. We're going to go Hella Hela. Anyways, where Hella's coming back and he is kind of like freaking out after he's had this love affair with Giovanni and he goes and he like finds someone else to have sex with. And he has this like fling, like he uses this woman Sue for sex. And it was not until that part of the book that I was like into it. Mm-hmm. Like leading up to that, I kind of was like, okay. Like, okay, whatever. that's. Like I wasn't super, I didn't kind of really get it. I kind of just was like, oh, okay, this is like a 1950s piece of fiction, like whatever. And then after that point, I was hooked. I was like, Sue, girl, girl. you a mess in your jeans, Sue. <laughs> your tight jeans. Like, he, like Baldwin describes this woman, and you're just like, I know you. I know you. Sue, I've I, seen you. I've partied with this girl, Sue. Like, yeah. She's like Sue. Oh. She's so welcoming I and know. vulnerable. And yeah. well, I, thank you. For, that's the that's a great scene. I think to to start talking about because for me, that from the POV of David, I think it's sort of like a a self flagellation. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to punish himself in a way mm-hmm. from 
from having this toured love affair with right. with Giovanni, and so in order to sort of make himself ready to to see his his fiance Hella mm-hmm. Hila, <laughs> um, that her 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 coming back to to France is imminent. Uh, he needs to sort of see if he can keep it up. Right. You know, keep it going. Right. Can I jump right. back on a woman? And he yeah. does with with this with with this wonderful Sue. Sue. And then right afterwards, right after this complicated love, sex, mm-hmm. you know, passion right. thing right. <laughs> that happens, the next the next chapter opens up with David contemplating death. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. de- you know jumping into the sand and right. and and I was like, wow, that's an interesting coupling of you know. Am I am I gay? Am I straight? Let's test the waters with Sue, right. and then afterwards, death. Right. Yeah, because he's just like totally messed up at this point. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know where he is or who he is, or and I think that's one of the themes that comes up throughout the book so much. And I think a lot of the characters deal with it, which is identity. Mm-hmm. Like, who am I? What? turns me on not just sexually but like what makes me tick what is my what is my jam Mm -hmm. um and i think that i think you know he had some kind of reckoning with sue i do think that that scene as minor as it is it's also super pivotal yes like i think it really is that like linchpin from the beginning of the book into the end and I just, I just, I loved Sue. I was super into Sue. I don't know. She was so sweet. And then he like, and you knew it was going to happen. Like she was like, oh, like, should we get dinner? And he's like, oh no, sorry. I have plans. <laughs> David, my hey. guy, like take her to dinner. Like what is wrong with you? But David's like so selfish and like so, self, not selfish, but self-absorbed in those moments. Like he's so in his own stuff. And I think also Sue is self-aware mm-hmm. too and she's aware of the situation right, and she's like not into it at first she's not into it and then when he leaves he, he she calls him mm-hmm. on his shit like mm-hmm. oh well I, I wish we, we had we had the book over there but um to, to quote her she she is not she is she a victim is she is, is she or isn't she a victim mm-hmm. um is is david a victim is he a victim I don't, I don't really know but uh the way Baldwin colors her, it makes it seem as if she is not, she's not going to leave here and be, um, you know, she's not going to be, I don't know how to say it, but um, he didn't destroy her right. when when, um, when he left. Right. This isn't her whole life. Yeah. She's got other Sue shit going on. There's a whole book called Sue's Room. <laughs> Shoot, right? I will watch fan, it too. It's the fanfic. That's something you could write. You could write Sue's Room. Because she really has one, one, scene. one scene. And she's great in it. And she's great. I love it. Um, so the other thing that I think for me that I really connected to in this book, or that I was not connected to, I, that I was interested in, that I was fascinated by, was that James Baldwin is one of the most you know, applauded, renowned black American writers that we've got going. You know, mm-hmm. it's like him, Ta-Nehisi Coates, like mm-hmm. Richard Wright. You Richard know, like Wright. you think of these black American writers. And Ta-Nehisi Coates writes only nonfiction and Baldwin kind of did both and write wrote fiction. So, you know, anyways, but these men... Um, interesting that there aren't really women i guess tony morrison fits in that list octavia butler but these you know prolific 
American, Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. and he fits in that. And the thing that is so fascinating is that for the other folks, they write about black people. And this book, there's not a black person in it. I mean, you know, maybe if you were casting it, you could make Jacques black or mm-hmm. Guillaume or something. But, you know, he, there's a choice that Baldwin has made to make David a white boy. Yes. Blonde. Blonde. White. Well, I'm going to stop you there because, yes, 100%. But I can't also forget James Baldwin when when reading the book and reading David because it it seems like it parallels. It's him. It's him. It feels like him. It feels like him. And I I believe this is the case where he he couldn't, he had trouble, he wanted to branch out Mm -hmm. in his writing and he couldn't do what he wanted to do by, you know, writing about a, a black character mm-hmm. um, in this kind of, this within the themes of this book. And so he just put a white person's face. Right. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, there is, there's a lot of um, information about kind of how he came across this. And one of the quotes, I'm going to read it to you. This is what he said. Um, this is what he said about writing this book and his inability to make David both black and gay. He said, quote, I certainly could not possibly have, not at that point in my life, handled the other great weight, the Negro problem. The sexual moral light was a hard thing to deal with. I could not handle both propositions in the same book. There was no room for it. So this is in 1956, like you said, before the civil rights, before the gay rights you know, movement, before all of that. And this is a black gay or bisexual man, depending on who you ask, um, saying, "There, I contain multitudes, but I can't deal with it all at once. And so he was like, just going to slap this white face right on my experience and on my feelings. And it's interesting because our other great Black American writers almost exclusively write about the Black experience. And I know that there's a lot of talk now about writers who are of different ethnicities writing about people or things that are not from their culture. And it's interesting to think that in 1956, this was just something that James Baldwin, genius that he was, was like, I'm going to do it this way. Well, in a way it makes sense because it's, you know, given that it's it's Baldwin's journey mm-hmm. as well as David's, he, he was dealing with his own issues mm-hmm. um, with being gay, bisexual, mm-hmm. and being a black man. He, mm-hmm. he couldn't compartmentalize it into, into one. He had right. to separate, separate it. Them. And so I think that's a struggle with, with a lot of black gay men mm-hmm. in, 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 in the black community is that it's hard to, to be both. To be both um, things. Because it's, you know, you know, two strikes against you in a way. Mm-hmm. Um. So you sometimes you have to choose which battles you're gonna you're gonna fight, and so right. for so Baldwin, he's like, I can I can definitely fight this battle. I can I can write the hell out of this book mm-hmm. with 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 David at the helm rather mm-hmm. than you know, you know, someone who looks like me. Sure, and I and, wonder if the book would have been received in the same way I don't if think it had so. been a black character. No, no. I, I agree. I don't think so. I think in 1956, certainly not. I think today, maybe not even. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people come with so much prejudice in their life, myself included, that um, you know, when you're confronted with something other, it might be too much to take in two othernesses, right? Instead of just the one, mm-hmm. which you know doesn't say great things about humans, but it, it doesn't make it any less true. Right. And I do think 
something that I know to be true about Baldwin is that when he left America and went to France, he said that that was the first time he could really see what was going on in America. Um, and he could look back and he could understand, you know, his life and his upbringing and the context of his life up until that point. Um, and I think that one of the things that obviously is very important in the black community is this idea of passing, right? Passing for like, if you're lighter skin, passing for white, like that was a whole thing you wanted you know, grandmothers would say, you know, don't let her marry that dark skinned guy. You know, we want her to, to lighten up, lighten up, lighten up. But there is also a passing in the gay community. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the things that um, are in identity and identity politics and identity, you know, um, navigating identity are true for minorities of all colors and of all sexualities and gender identities. And so I think that some of that stuff that he felt about his self um, and his race, he still was able to put into David and just put it into the homosexual, bisexual part, which I think is really interesting when we talk about the themes of isolation in this book and the themes of passing or belonging or performance of sexuality or gender like masculinity and stuff and I think um, those things are not simply sexual or gender but they also are involved in race like there are um, certain ways that a black man behaves and I think you know he's playing with that as he's putting this white face on his experience mm -hmm. And I think like that really resonated with me as I was reading it. I kept imagining his face and being like, wait, 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 wait I have to imagine a white guy. Like, okay, stock image, blonde, white guy. Here we right. go. I, I don't know. Did you struggle with kind of remembering that David was a white boy? I, knowing who the author is. Yes. I, I Probably. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I, I hear I hear Baldwin all over the place. If, you want, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're able to Google any of his speeches... Um, when he was in the UK or in television in in in, uh, in the US, he has a certain cadence. Even mm. in the quote that you said, he 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 was so intelligent. So I think Baldwin is all over this book. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if if he were a black man, uh, I I would question well. Is he feeling like he's not accepted because he's a black man right. or if he's a gay man, right. but him being a blonde, a blonde young adult, he, you know, he essentially should be accepted by right. everybody. The world is at his the fingertips. Exactly. Yeah. So his struggle can be his own struggle rather than sure. the struggle, struggle of his, his race. Right. And less projecting other mm -hmm. things. That's such a good point. Yeah. And I know that his um, publisher, he originally had a different publisher. It was like, I don't know how to say it. Nomf and K N O P F or whatever. Yeah, yes. yeah. So they were originally his publisher in New his York. first book. Right. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? You're alienating your audience. This is like not going to happen. And he was like, no, no, like I'm writing this book the way that I'm writing it. And he ended up changing publishers um, because he was like, I can't tell this story any other way. And if you don't want to publish it, like we'll just go do, I'll just go do it elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why he, decided to move to to Europe to mm -hmm. to France you know because the the, the 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 ideals of freedom in in Europe that he couldn't experience in the United States mm -hmm. because he couldn't write what he wanted to write and he couldn't he wouldn't be published as 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 much as he wanted to publish so he he was able to find footing and acceptance 
um, in, in, in Paris, which also echoes exactly what David was, was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, at David fleeing his, his town, his, his family in the United States, he was seeking not only self-identity, but freedom inside mm-hmm. the confines of Paris. Does he find it? No, he gets trapped inside Giovanni's room because your problems, girl, they don't leave you. Right. They follow you wherever you go. You're going to have to yeah. deal with them real yeah, quick. It doesn't matter how far. <laughs> doesn't matter the language. No, that's so true. Um, and the other thing about, I mean, what we're talking about is like the, ex, the expat experience, right? Like mm. running away. There's a line in his father's letter to him where he said, I can't remember the exact words, but he says something along the lines of like, you are missing your life. Like you're missing life as you're gone. And I thought that was so interesting because your life is your life wherever you are. So like, sure, you're missing what's going on back in the States. But like it's nowadays, I feel like people encourage their kids like go abroad for a year and like experience life. But at this time, it was like, you're missing life, my G. Like you need to be here with your family and your kids and like are having kids and being married and doing the things that are expected of a man in 1956. And now I feel like that's really changed. Yeah. Like people are applauded for going away and living on their own or traveling and seeing the world. So that's kind of an, I mean, it's a very post world war two American thing. Yes. Right. That like life is here and like we're doing it and we're, we're, post GI bill, just like good old whiteness, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I just thought that was super interesting. And obviously Baldwin must've felt a little bit of that. I know in the end he ended up coming back because of the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to miss those, those pivotal of life. He didn't want to be the guy who was, you know, seeing it on the news. He wanted to be there and be part of the struggle but that was a struggle for him to, to come, come back. to come back. Yeah, it was, uh, and he did at for, for moments, mm-hmm. but it always landed back in 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 in, in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you bring up a really great point about the relationship with David and his father, mm-hmm. which I'm sure also echoes um, Baldwin's relationship with his stepfather, um, who he called mm-hmm. father. Uh, but David says in the book that he wanted a, a relationship, a father-son relationship with mm-hmm. him rather than a, a father-friend mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, I think there's a connection there between expectations of masculinity and potentially even his gayness, if that mm-hmm. is even a thing. And he, you know, your father, I think, is the, the you follow in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. For the, for the most part, um, he sometimes can be your mirror. And I think David didn't have that. He, what he did have it was a place with, with the nightmares of his mother, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which he, you know, had over <laughs> many, many, many years, he says. And I think that he, you know, he struggled with his relationship with his father and this, the, his expectations of who he wanted to be and and what and all of that and, and i think that is also a struggle that a, a gay man has it's like sure. um you want you want to have a relationship with your father but you're gay and how can you sort of mend that relationship in a sort of meaningful kind of a way sure and so maybe it's easier to to leave to and leave. to find yourself in a place where your father isn't <laughs> right right to find outside of the footsteps yeah that makes a lot of sense um so david is our narrator in this book 
and he, we follow him and he's our protagonist and he's our narrator and he kind of is setting the scene. Do you trust David? Like, did you have any questions? Is this a reliable narrator at all? I think he is a reliable narrator. I think, but you, I think it's important to understand where he is in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's reliable. Is he, is he, is he, is he bad? Is he good? I think that's up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I think he is reliable given the start, his circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think he's very clear about where he is and where he's come from. Mm-hmm. I think he's very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's not really cognizant of his own feelings at, the, at that moment, I, th- I think he's very honest with where he is. Sure. Um, and I think all of it, every single page is a, uh, is an interpretation of, or a, a development of that struggle of self-identity of masculinity and uh i and i like even i think giovanni is a, a figment of that mm-hmm. sure <laughs> you know of of you know i think things in my life come to me because there's something that i'm trying to work through sure even that if, he almost manifests yeah. giovanni into his world mm-hmm. well i mean he's out with jacques um who's like he needs money. So he goes to this like rich older gay man and they go have dinner and they go to this like gay bar and you know, he's putting himself in a situation to be exposed to it. It's not like, right. You know, it's not, he's not going to an older woman, sugar mommy. (laughs) He's going to a sugar daddy. Yes. So, I mean, he is kind of manifesting it. He is creating, he's experimenting. And there's a part earlier in the book where he talks about um, a friend of his, growing up and they have one kind of sexual encounter and then Joey, Joey, Joey. And then, um, he starts bullying Joey. It's the worst. It's like, come on, David, my guy. And the thing is, be the change you want to be, see in the world, Joey. I mean, David, (laughs) and he's not, and he's young and, Mm -hmm. and that the first love Mm -hmm. is so, and it's really just how Baldwin, uh, the, how he st- structures it is so important. That's the, one of the first experiences that we as a reader uh, learn about David mm-hmm. is th- through that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it becomes sort of the, the, the lens through which we see the rest of the, the, the rest of the book and his relationship with Giovanni. So we, we immediately see that he's struggling with shame, guilt, mm-hmm. Um, totally. being uncomfortable with his sexuality, given this lovely friendship that he had with, with this boy. Right. And, you know, and then he flees and that the same thing happens in, in Paris. Right. Okay. I'm, this is a confession. It's a little bit embarrassing because I've told some other friends about this who have read the book and they all laughed at me, but I don't care. You laugh at me if you want. I did not know where the book was going. I knew in the beginning that Giovanni is guillotined because they say it, but I had decided that the reason why, and I like, I don't know, maybe my time period was really off, but I had decided it was because he was gay. And like, I don't know, I made up that it was illegal to be gay in Paris. And so that they caught him and then killed him. So I'm like reading this whole book, like waiting for it to be like, and then like Jacques told on him for being gay and he was killed. And then all of a sudden come to find out there's an actual murder Mm. in this book. Did I miss that? No, I don't. They don't tell me before they tell me. Like it's, I think it's Guillaume. Guillaume, yeah. yeah, Before Guillaume is or William, (laughs) and but we're obviously super French here, and like 
our French accents are amazing. Yes. Mainly mine. Uh, just kidding. Um, Guillaume is murdered comes very late in the book. Well, I think that is the the night of, if you know that television sure. show of it all, the, the murder mystery, the thriller of it all mm, is, is, I mean, there's tons of foreshadowing about murder and death and darkness and sort sure. of, you know, throughout, even, even from the first chapter mm-hmm. at the end of the first chapter. And I think that sort of propels you all the way through into the end to see mm-hmm. what, who done it, why done it. Right. And how is David implicated sure. in it? I didn't even think that it was a murder mystery at all. I just was like, oh, they caught him from being gay. Like, I don't, I guess I just completely, I think I was so busy looking for whatever makes the book great mm-hmm. that I maybe just was like trying to be like, oh, it's about gay. Right. Like, and I wasn't even really using my brain, which, oops. Well, no, I think, well, Maybe that. Thank you, Baldwin, for not letting you yeah. use your brain. Like yeah. you're just on in for the I'm ride. Just into it. I don't know. I just, just. I. I also think maybe as a reader, sometimes like if I get too much foreshadowing and it's not clear where it's going, I just decide. Like I just like I need to know where it's going. So I'm like, okay, this is what it is. He's murdered for. Or he's you know put to death for being gay. And then all of a sudden it's like, and then he murdered Guillaume, and I'm like, yo, or like Guillaume's body is found or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, I've been got. I got God. Wouldn't it? But okay, if it did end that way with you know the their sexual orientation and their mm-hmm. gayness leading to a de- mm-hmm. his death because of it, um, would you have enjoyed the book as much? You think? I don't know. You know, I love I love like just devastation. Like <laughs> I don't. I think it's a totally different book. Obviously, I think that you know then Giovanni becomes a super sympathetic character, and you feel terrible for him that David left him to be with Hella, and he ends up getting like ratted out and gets you know he becomes a martyr mm. as opposed to in this he becomes i mean I don't know why does he do it because he's he's been embarrassed by Yim earlier in the book or because he's so upset over David leaving him or whatever it is, but it's you know, there's some personal responsibility, one of my least favorite phrases in the current political climate, but there is some of that that comes with Giovanni versus if it's because he's put to death for who he is, then he becomes so sympathetic. He becomes a martyr. He becomes, you know, in today's world, he would become a hashtag, right? Like mm-hmm. he, it would be hashtag Giovanni's room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now- Save Giovanni. Yeah, <laughs> like say his name, you know, all of that stuff. And rightfully so. If he had been put to death for being gay, it's a totally different book. Right. I still probably would have loved the book. I still, you know- because that's what I thought the book was. So I was enjoying it when I thought it was that. So I don't know. But the question then is, you know, people often ask, is David responsible for Giovanni's death as is not in my fantasy version of the book, but as is, is he responsible? And I don't know. What do you think? I think he is. You do? I think, yes, because in, I think that Giovanni represents gayness mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. David. Mm-hmm. Giovanni is gay. Paris mm-hmm. is Giovanni. So... David doesn't want to acknowledge that he's gay in a certain kind of way. And so ultimately Dave, um, Giovanni has to die. And I think that how is Giovanni going to die is sort of the, what's pulling the tension, uh, pulling you through the, through the the entirety of the book. Like for example, there's a scene where both of them are holding bricks in Giovanni's Mm -hmm. room Mm -hmm. and you're left with this amazing tension between who, Who's going to kill who? Because mm. is is Giovanni going to kill David? Is mm. David going to kill Giovanni? Because they can't both survive mm-hmm. 
Um, and I was like, that is insane. Mm. Love, gay love can't can't survive. And, sure. and it, this is David's journey, you know. Sure. So David survives because it's his story. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, I will say this. I was super surprised to find out that Giovanni had had a woman and been with a woman and had fathered a child because in my mind, I agree, Giovanni represents like pure like homosexuality, like he is unquestioning, it feels like in the book. And then to find out that he also has been on his own journey. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there are people who come out of the closet at the age of eight you know, they just always know and they're competent in that. And they, and then there are people who are 75 and they've been married for 50 years and they're like, I'm sorry, like to, to do this to everybody, but I've got to live my life and I've got to live my truth. And to find out that David and Giovanni are actually on a similar journey Mm -hmm. that it, you know, that, that this coming, coming out and, um, you know, changing your, your sexual identity, it's Giovanni isn't quite as, you know, one dimensional when it comes to that. And I really found that fascinating. And it took me by surprise also as I, I, Giovanni surprised me in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. He's a complex person. Yeah, David made sense. David felt very clear what Mm -hmm. was going on. And Giovanni, there was so, so much like uncovering with Giovanni, which I think is what makes, you know, the book called Giovanni's Room and not David's after, not David's after. David's delight. David's delight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. But it, it, were you at, at all shocked to, to find out that Giovanni had 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 a wife and a, ba- a baby? And well, I think it's great to to see that backstory for a person, you mm-hmm. know, for a you know, a, kind of a co lead in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he isn't just one dimensionally mm-hmm. gay, mm-hmm. you know, and quote unquote flamboyant and all the, th- some of the things that we associate with, with sure. a gay person. Um, and he has a, something that he's fleeing mm-hmm. and which makes the reason why he wants to hold on to this room and this, mm-hmm. this love, you know, he doesn't want David to leave him or leave their the room that he's trying to make, make it into a home. It, it means so much to him. And why doesn't it mean as much to David? David. And, and the, that scene when it's it, that scene where they're talking, I think it's the same scene chapter, you know, scene, I, I think in TV world, <laughs> sure. but we know, um, uh, the, the, the chapter where, uh, those two bricks happen, they're mm-hmm. holding it. Um, and Giovanni is sort of, talking about his his thoughts on women mm-hmm. which is a, another huge yeah. theme in the book um his perception of women and how he almost a, a disgust comes mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. through his through his mouth and in the his, his chosen words and uh i think his disgust towards women is the same disgust that david has towards his gayness sure um and and throughout the book and what do you think about this there, there's so much uh, use of of opposites, mm-hmm. um, light and dark, mm-hmm. um, straight, gay. Uh, there's so many opposites that is that are used throughout the those sort of opposite symbols that are used mm-hmm. throughout the book. What do you think? Is anything come to mind I'm, for you? No, not really. I mean, I think that that's kind of like what makes Baldwin's work so exciting and interesting is that he's not playing so much in the in between, and he's letting you do the work in between, and he's showing you both sides. And saying kind of like pick a side or don't pick a side, but you know these are your options. 
you know, it, this is, this is what it is. And these are, this is what you're dealing with. Where do you fall? Kind mm-hmm. of like he lets you paint your own gray zones by giving you the, the extremes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I would say. Um, and I think that it's true. Like Giovanni does kind of represent the light in this book because I think that he is, has the hopefulness. Mm-hmm. Whereas David has so much of the doubt and like the darkness, which is then flipped on its head because Giovanni turns out to be a murderer, right? Like, and so <laughs> you don't think of like the hopeful murderer, right? Or, or whatever. Um, and I think like the complexity of both Giovanni and David on both of their journeys speaks to the power of this book. Um, I've spoken with many, many gay men about this book actually. Um, cause I think it is become a quintessential text, um, for many gay men that I personally know, I obviously can't speak for every gay man in the world, but those that I've spoken to about this book, those, my friends who are readers who are also gay, that's what I should say. (laughs) uh, Different generations, people in their fifties, people, you know, in their twenties have all talked about how this book was really pivotal. And one of the things that they said was that, you know, it presents homosexuality and bisexuality in men in an artful way, in a thoughtful way, in a complex way, um, in the same way that love stories are presented between heterosexual um, relationships. And also that this book was written by someone who is an acclaimed author, an acclaimed writer, a serious writer. And I think like, you know, we talk a lot about representation mattering, but also not just seeing yourself, but also seeing your story being important enough to be written about and talked about by serious people. And I use quotes on serious because, you know, who's to say who isn't and who isn't isn't serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that had any effect on you um, when you were reading this book and feeling like more, maybe more validated or not knowing who the author was. Absolutely. I, I, if it were just quote unquote a gay book, mm-hmm. I don't think that I would have necessarily picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were just a, a African American author, either I, w- I would sort of you know oh I I know that I mm-hmm. I get that story I know mm-hmm. those stories, but somehow sort of the combination of both definitely um, has held its resonance for me, okay. um, and it you know just in thinking about David and who he is and I would love your thoughts on this um, you know as a young you know, 20 something white male, mm-hmm. it sort of makes me think today, you know, we, in today's world, we have, we have all these young white men who are struggling with, you know, their manness and their, ma- you know, masculinity, and how to express their feelings. And, you know, that coupled with the mass shootings that are happening that are, mm-hmm. you know, these young white men mostly, right. All of them, mm-hmm. I think. And I think it's so like David, for not always making the right choices in mm-hmm. his relationships, mm-hmm. in his love life. He's trying to express his feelings. Sure. And uh, and I think that young boys today are trying to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, as this book continues to make its way through the world and in time, I think I think that's kind of the lens that we can read 
read it through today. I hope so. I certainly hope so. I think anything that we can read through a lens of James Baldwin is probably better for us than wherever we are (laughs) (laughs) right now. Um, I agree. I think that, I think you just put that so well. I don't have anything to add. I mean, it's a question, but I think, yeah, Yeah. I do have my most favorite question. Oh, what? Okay. Who are you casting in the film or television show of this book? Yes. I love that question. That's my fave. Okay, and this may seem a little, you know, current okay. on the nose, but all current. Uh, but Timothy Chalamet <laughs> as David would sure. like make my world as David as as David, not as Giovanni. No. Oh, but he we're gonna have to dye his hair. Oh, that's true. I guess he could be, he could play, listen, if he wanted either one. I feel like, I mean, look, I see him, I could definitely see him as either, but I, in my mind, I think he's a Giovanni. Wow. I don't know. You're right. I think he would, you know, play the hell out of this role. Like he would, Giovanni, absolutely. Um, mm, mm, But I don't mm. screw up who do you think could be David? Um, I don't know who could be David. I don't know. Maybe like one of those, um. I mean, you need a good actor. I won't say who I was going to say because I did not set them up good. Well, um, I think, but I think you're right, though. I think that David is probably more the, the quote unquote straight man. Like mm-hmm. he's just the, I think you need a really great dynamic Giovanni to play mm-hmm. opposite him. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of mercurial. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe a good David would be like, I don't know. Do we think David is handsome? Or do we think David is normal? I think we need to, we need to believe as a viewing audience that David is very normal. He, you know, yeah, he could have anything. Sure. And why is he? Cho- then we're saying, well, why is he choosing? Right. You know, uh, Sue. Why is right. he choosing Giovanni? Like, you know, what's his internal world that's making him seemingly make these quote unquote bad decisions? Right. Huh. So that he needs to life needs to be kind of easy for easy him. For him. Yeah. It's like a Hemsworth. Yes. A total babe, like a Hemsworth. Total babe. Um, sure. I mean, I I love a Hemsworth. I think they're really handsome. There's mm-hmm. like five of them or two or three. <laughs> or, I don't know. I feel like they're going to just keep coming. To there's the at country. least two. There, I feel like there's like as three. many as 12. Yeah. We're not sure how many Hemsworth there hey, are. Hey, I may be Hemsworth yeah. by the end of the day. <laughs> sure. You're definitely a Hemsworth. Change my name. Um, But someone like that, like real cute like that, I don't know. I mean, there's so many characters. I mean, you need a fantastic Sue. You need – Sue's got to be. I mean, in my mind, this book is just Sue's, Sue's story. Yes. Time with Sue. And then Hella, I don't know. Like she's so blah. She is blah. Um, But I think – I mean, I'm saying She's, that on purpose. I think it is too that she represents motherhood, mm-hmm. um, marriage, normal normalcy, wife, mm-hmm. wife mm-hmm. land, sure. Americana. Sure. Um, so seemingly, she's kind of blah. normal blah. blah and she's me. trying to she's trying to mix it up in Spain. She's trying sure. to have her life. Oh my god! Wait, <laughs> I know who should play Sue. Even though I'm not a big fan of this actress, but like the most Sue in tight jeans. Do you know who I'm gonna say? <laughs> I think I, I'm, I'm thinking girls all over yes, the place. Lena, Lena, Lena Dunham for Sue. Fully <laughs> Lena Dunham. Can you imagine? I'm super not into it. I mean, you could also go like Allison Williams too. You know, 
Well, Allison would be great. Um, Hella. Hella, too. I don't know. I, I think she's a little plain Jane to me. Well, she is. But that's, for me, that's Hella. Oh, you think Hella's plain Jane. Okay. I See, think she's very I think plain Sue Jane. is like, well, basically, we're casting everybody from girls. Um, but I think, yeah. But I mean, I don't. I would never want to cast Lena Dunham in anything because I'm not a big fan of her. But that is kind of who I envisioned Sue being. Well, in Hollywood, you need someone to push the dial. So. That's true. Give her that one good scene. Give her that. Yeah, yeah, seriously, go. like give her those tight, those tight ass jeans. Sure. Oh, and that, you know, that. have him, have her, have David pull her hair a little bit. Yeah. There you go. There we go. You're done, mm-hmm. done and done. Okay. Before we get out of here, I want to do. I do want to talk a little bit about the title of the book. Why do you think it's called Giovanni's Room? Besides that, there's a lot of the book is set there. Like, do you think that there's a greater? Reason? I do. I I think it. I think it represents prison. Okay. You know, like a psychological prison, um, an emotional prison. Uh, love can be a prison. Uh, it can be love can be beautiful. It can be wonderful. It can be exciting, but also it can it can crumble around you. And I think the whole entire TV show or book could take place in Giovanni's room, and mm. to see over t- like if you watch this, it could like for the play version, you would see over the course of you know, a two-hour play, brick by brick, mm. um, their love being dismantled, this room being dismantled. And mm. by the end, there's nothing left but the shell. Sure. And so rep- I think the Giovanni's room represents the functioning qualities of their love. And when mm. it's when it's good, it looks good. When it's mm-hmm. dirty, it's a fucking mess. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, it's a representation of that. Yeah. And this is, I guess we can end on this because this is a quote about love. And I know that James Baldwin has talked about this book and said um, that it's about what happens when you don't succumb to love or when you um, push love aside. And here's something that towards the end of the book, um, here's the quote. Much has been written of love turning to hatred, of the heart growing cold with death of love. It is a remarkable process. It is far more terrible than anything I have ever read about it more terrible than anything I will ever be able to say. And that's David talking about, you know, pushing Giovanni aside to be with Hella. And it's just painful when you hear those words yeah. and, you know, talk about validation. I, I just want to be validated in my yeah, love life. Sure. I'm, a, I'm a gay man. And, and to hear that you're not the chosen one, sure. it, it can be, can I read a couple of my favorite quotes? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I know we're going to end on that, on that which is no, beautiful, no, but there are these two, you know, sort of the chasm between like good and bad and light and dark. There are these two quotes that just make like, is this, is this love? Is this? <laughs> so uh, one is with the fearful intimation there opened in me a hatred for Giovanni, which was as powerful as my love and which was nourished by the same roots. So like hatred and fear. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's other, this other one. His touch could never fail to make me feel desire, yet his hot, sweet breath also made me want to vomit. Like, how, how can those two things exist? Both be true at the same time. Yeah. It's true. And it, ugh, the book is so good. I mean, like, I kind of get tingly feelings when I, when I hear you read the quotes because I'm like, right, God, that was good. Um, so if you haven't read the book yet, you should. If you've listened to this whole podcast, though, and you haven't read the book, like, what are you doing, my guy? Like, read the book and then come back. Yes. But anyways. Um, Chris, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And we will be back next week with actor 
and also choreographer, Tony nominated choreographer, Sam Pinkleton. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful day and we will see you in the stacks. That does it for us here this week at The Stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. Please make sure you're subscribed to The Stacks wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Also, if you do listen to us through iTunes, please rate and review the show. It really helps us out here, so we appreciate it. Thank you to our guest, Chris Maddox. Next week, I will be joined by Sam Pinkleton, who is a Tony-nominated choreographer and director and actor. We're going to discuss all the things he loves to read. Our graphic designer here is Robin McCright, and our theme music comes from Tagirajis. The show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you in the stacks. <laughs>